Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24. It's the last, very last chapter of the Gospel. You'll find it in your pew Bibles on page 1642. Luke chapter 24. Now, as I, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Um, as I read it, I would like to just uh, uh, ask you to be alert to time references. And we'll, I'll, I'll try to explain that uh, as we go through the message this morning. So Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others with him who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleophas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and you do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and all our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said, that he, was, who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 
And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said them, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you to, I'm, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them up, when he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he, lift, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the word of the Lord. I love this chapter. I, I, I could reflect on this chapter for hours and days and years and ages, but I'll try to keep it to 25 minutes. This, the whole book was written to a guy by the name of Theophilus. We don't know whether he was really a, a, a person or whether he was just simply a person who was a friend of God, Theophilus, a friend of God, a, a person who was an inquirer. But, but the gospel is written as a means by which to persuade people who are sitting on the fence, inquirers, interested people in the gospel of Jesus Christ, to persuade them to make a commitment. And so I would like to ask you this morning to ponder, have I made a commitment? When? How has it played out? Or ponder this. Have I not made a commitment, and why not? And what would be the consequences of having not made that commitment? So this book, this gospel, was written to Theophilus, an inquirer. We are not told at the end of the book what Theophilus did, because I think I'm Theophilus, and I think you are Theophilus. The book is written to us to make us ponder, to make us think 
about a commitment. And when I think about a commitment, making a commitment, I think about, uh, I, I think it's a myth, but it's a nice myth, uh, about a guy by the name of Blondine. Many years ago in McLean's Magazine, the Ontario Health Insurance Program, that's their health uh, program, in, in encouraged people with a, uh, a picture in the Maclean's magazine of Blondine who was a higher wire walker walking across the top of Niagara Falls on a stretched cable that, that he really did back in the 1890s, I believe. And they said, well, why take such a risk? Invest in health. Become part of the Ontario Health Insurance Plan. But, but the myth, the story goes like this, that at one point, Blondine took a wheelbarrow with a specially curved wheel and put that on the cable and pushed the wheelbarrow across from Ontario to New York. And somebody in New York cheered and clapped him to him, saying, wow, that was amazing. And he said, do you believe I could do it again? The guy said, why, of course. I've seen you go back and forth, and now I saw you push the wheelbarrow. Do you really believe I could go back again? Yes, he said. And then Blondine says, well, then get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> See, that's a commitment. That takes you beyond words to actually doing something. You noticed all the time references. It is first day of the week. Think about that for a moment in the context of everything that's referenced. Jesus was handed over into the hands of sinners and he was put to death. That was on Friday. Go back to another Friday. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And on a Friday, he created human beings. And he said, he's very good. And then on the Sabbath, he rested. And then on the first day of the week, well, those human beings needed to engage in building the creation, developing it, seeking to do the will of God in every part of life. An appropriate theme on this Labor Day weekend. Friday, it is very good. We look at Friday and we think of the crucifixion. We call it Good Friday. Well, it was a very bad day. It was a day of pain in death and suffering. It was my sin that nailed him there. We just sang that until it was accomplished. It was a very bad day. And then they insulted the man upon the cross by saying, behold the man. Behold the man. He's bloody, he's torn, he's broken, he's dying. And yet, we know his words. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And Father, it is finished. The price has been paid. Atonement has been made. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. And he dies. And then creation rests. Jesus was in the grave for the Sabbath. The women rest even though they wanted to go and anoint his body everyone rests and then it's the first day of the week the beginning of the new implications 
And the women get up early. And they go. And they wonder, in Mark it's written more clearly, who will remove the stone? They have a need, you see. They have a need. The stone needs to be removed because they have these spices. They want to honor this person, this friend. They want to honor this person who had given them such hope. And now they're filled with despair. In their need, they come to this tomb and they can't find him and they wonder. They wonder. They think, what, what does this mean? What does this mean on this first day of the week, this beginning, this new opportunity to, to be engaged, to be in service? What does this mean? And then there is a word. The angels are there. Why, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is risen, just as he said. Do you remember? And then they did. There is a need. There is a word. There is a response. Go tell his disciples. And they go. And when they tell the disciples, they don't believe them because they think it is nonsense. Now you have to know something here. In the culture of the day, women, because of their gender, were not allowed to be witnesses in a court of law. What they said was considered to be untrustworthy, unreliable, un acceptable. But now they were commissioned by these angels to remember what Jesus had said to them and to go and share it with others. The women were not believed. But Peter, who also had a need, Remember, he had been told by Jesus before the crucifixion crows, you will have denied me three times. Eh, never, never, I will not do that. I am a tough fisherman. I am a man of my word. I am a man who've made commitments. I will never deny you. And then when the rooster crows, he goes and he weeps bitterly. Have you ever had a bitter weeping experience? When everything seems to have washed away in terms of who you are, who you think you are, and where you are broken to the very core. And Peter, Peter goes on the word of these women, and he leans over and he says, he's not here, but there are cloths lying there. And then, notice, he wonders. What does this mean? And then he goes away. But he wonders, what does this mean for me on this, the first day of the week? What does this mean? The meaning will come clear a little later. But notice the pattern. There was a need, there was a word, there was a response. 
Now, let's do, join two men on the road to Emmaus. Cleophas and the other person we don't know what his name was. They're walking along. They're talking about things. The major news of the day, as if, you know, they can't quite understand it. And then suddenly, what was he doing? Sitting on a rock around the corner? We don't know. Suddenly, Jesus just saunters up beside them. And they were kept from recognizing him. Doesn't that frustrate your socks off? It just bugs me to no end. Because, you see, I like being efficient. It has to get done quickly and well, but especially quickly. It has to be done quickly. And they were kept from recognizing him. Just think about the implication. It's seven miles away from, it's seven miles between Jerusalem and Emmaus. I have fairly long legs. When I walk on a steady space, I can do a mile in about 15 minutes. That's an hour and 45 minutes worth of walking. It's probably going to take longer because there's no sidewalks, it's up and down hills, and there are rocks and boulders and vagabonds. So I'm going to be alert, I'm going to slow down. It's going to take me probably at least two hours, if not two and a half hours. If Jesus had just said, hi, I'm Jesus, it would have saved them all sorts of time. Why? Well, they had a need. We had hoped that this one person was going to be the one who would restore Israel, who would bring the kingdom. We had hoped. And now we're so disappointed. They are brokenhearted. And Jesus says, what are you talking about? And they, they stop. They're, they're stunned. It's as if last week, you know, you wouldn't have known about the Afghanistan situation and the need to evacuate. Or, or, or we've been dealing with a pandemic and somebody comes, why is everybody wearing face masks? What? Come on. Don't you know? No. Well, Jesus did know, but he wanted them to ponder. He wanted them to think about what was the priority. And, and so they, they, they spoke. And then he has a response. He has a word to their need. Oh, foolish men and slow of mind. Well, school starts again this week. Imagine getting around end of November a report card from your teacher or the teacher of your children. Your, your son's a bit slow. Oh, that would make you feel happy. That would make you feel happy. My son's a volunteer firefighter, and they, they teach him or teach them all sorts of responses. One of them is, slow is safe, and safe is fast. Slow, take your time, is safe. You're not going to be, for example, a firefighter is not allowed to run at a fire scene because you might trip over a hose. Slow is safe, safe is fast. You fools, you slow of mind and heart. And then he begins to teach them. And they're walking along, 
And he begins with Moses and the prophets, and he teaches them all these things concerning himself. You know, next week, next week is beginning Sunday, right, for the programs of the church calendar program, programmatic year. And let's hope that it doesn't focus on the history of the Vancouver Canucks, but that it focuses on Christ. That, that the church's mission and the church's work is Christocentric. He, he, beginning with Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, he explains all these things concerning himself. It's the afternoon. It's soon evening. So we've moved in the, this day, this first day of the week, from early in the morning to the afternoon. And as they are getting closer to Emmaus, Jesus says, well, well, see you now. And he's going to go walking on. And they said, no, 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 no. No, it's almost evening. Why don't you stay with us? And so he, he agrees. And then, and you see, very often we just read over this, but there isn't a word in Scripture that you shouldn't ponder. There isn't an event that you shouldn't think about and say, why does this happen this way? Imagine that after church, you would invite me into your home to have coffee and dessert and then to have lunch with soup and boiled hamburger, right? And, and then, okay, you know, I get into your house. I say, well, sure, I'll come. And I get into your house, and then I move into the kitchen, and I pour the coffee, and I prepare the cake, and then... I say, well, lunch is ready now. This is your house, but I, I, I'm saying lunch is ready. And then I say, well, let's pray. And then we break the bread. And you think, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Just, you move in, take over. You have to decide. You have to make a commitment. Is Jesus who he says he is? Or is he a lunatic? Is he Lord? Or lunatic. And if he is Lord, he's allowed to rule in your house. That means you have to step back. That means you have to do what he says. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? But Jesus is who he says he is. He is the fulfillment of all the promises of God made to Adam and Eve. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and your seed. He will bruise your heel, but you will crush his head. He is Lord. He's not. Jesus, and these are the words of N.T. Wright. Jesus did not just simply come to give you a ticket to get into heaven when you die. Jesus came to redeem you so that you could bring the kingdom of God on this earth today and to claim every inch, every square inch for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then he does the second thing that irritates the daylights out of me. He poof, disappears. Wait a minute, I only have 17 questions I want to ask you. But he just disappears. And he makes me think, he makes me ponder. He makes me, well, what do I do now? See, that's the question of commitment. What do I do now? We're not our hearts burning within us. Has he explained all these things to us? Yeah, they were. You know what? 
We need to take another two-hour walk. We need to go back where we just came from. If only he had shown up when he just, hi, I'm Jesus. What does it say? Would it be so? Because, because when they get back and they are ready to share the news, do you notice it's old news? The people in the upper room say, he is alive. He has appeared to Simon. It's old news. Wouldn't that frustrate your socks off? It's old news. Except it's all now part of this great gathering of evidence. They had a need. We had hoped to hear a word. Oh, foolish men and slow of heart, and beginning with Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, he explained all these things as they pertain to himself. And they had a response. They go and tell. Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me that story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. And then I love to tell the story. Think about these guys who have heard it, who have old news. For those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And ponder for a minute the implications of this gospel message for all people. Remember, the women weren't allowed to be witnesses in a court of law. But Jesus makes them witnesses in the kingdom of God. There's a picture in your council room, I'm mentioning it to Michelle, of angels and the shepherds. And in about three months or so, four months, uh, it'll start to appear on the wall here, likely. And this morning, I thought about, as I was preparing for this, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. But then verse 3, no more let sin and sorrows roam or thorns invest the ground. He comes to make his message known. You know how it ends? Far as the curse is found. What part of the curse from Genesis 3 has not been lifted in the gospel of Jesus Christ? You hear a word, you make a commitment, and now it's evening. The, the two, Cleophas and his friend, and the, the eleven and others, the women with them, are in the upper room. John says they keep the door locked for fear of the Jews. And poof, Jesus is there and says, peace be with you. In other words, don't be stressed. Calm down. Don't be anxious. I'm not a ghost. I'm real, give me some fish, and he takes us out to hotting, and he puts it down, and everybody knows he's real. He shows them his hands, and he shows them his feet. It's there. He says, now do not be afraid. And then, into the midst of their need, he speaks a word. And that word opens their minds to understand the scriptures. 
And then he gives them a mandate. You have to go into the world and you have to share this message of hope, this message of renewal, this message on the first day of the week of the kingdom of God, and you have to labor at bringing out the message. And what is the content of the message? What we all know, for example, most of us know, I hope, the Great Commission from Matthew 28. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the close of the age. But what is all that Jesus has commanded? Well, notice in Luke 24, you get the content that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached to all the nations far as the curse is found, also in Abbotsford, British Columbia. That repentance. And if you know your Heidelberg Catechism, and hopefully someone's going to teach some of that this year in this church. If you know your Heidelberg Catechism, repentance signifies the dying away of the old self and the coming to life of the new. The dying away of the old way of doing things where women weren't allowed to be a witness. Notice also, and this is just a little aside, but if you go back to Luke chapter 2, who were the first witnesses to the birth of Jesus? The shepherds who were also disqualified from being witnesses in a court of Jewish law, shepherds, because they were vagabonds, untrustworthy. Interesting devolution from David, who talked about the Lord as my shepherd. But by the time Jesus' birth, shepherds were discriminated against, and they were made the first witnesses to the birth of Jesus. That repentance, a dying away of the old and a coming to life of the new should be preached in my name to all nations along with forgiveness of sins. In other words, you have a new slate. It is the first day of the week. You can begin anew because the God who created and said with human beings, behold, it is very good, and the God who had sent his son so that people could mock him and say, behold the man, that God has raised his son from the dead and has said to us, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed. The new has come. And what's the response? Well, these people make a commitment. They unlock the door. They no longer function out of fear. They function out of faith. They come, and you can read about that in Acts chapter 2. They come to the beautiful gate of the temple, and they find this man who, who has been crippled throughout his life. And they say, well, silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And then the man dances before the Lord and the kingdom comes and new things happen and changes come and God is glorified and people are given an opportunity to serve using the gifts that they have for his glory. Many of these New Testament Christians were martyred. If you read the, the, the book of the revelation of Jesus at the end of the thing, you, you will know that Christians should expect to suffer 
for the cause of Jesus. But when we suffer for the cause of Jesus out of a commitment to serve him, we know we suffer in hope because he will have the last word. And what word will that be when you stand as Mr. Vandrager did now this past week before God? He belongs to me. I bought him with my blood. He became a pillar, I understand, of Living Hope Church. They will mourn his passing. We will welcome into him into eternity because he made a commitment. Where's your commitment at? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace and your word in our life, inspiring us to take a risk, to make a commitment, to put our hand in the hand of the man who stilled the waters. We pray, Lord God, that as we put our hand in your hand that we may always feel your presence, that we may never be afraid, but that we may be empowered to serve you well in your kingdom for your honor and for your glory and that your will may be done and that people will come to repentance and that people will come to experience forgiveness of sins and people will come to know that you are Lord in every circumstance of life. So hear our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me leave you with this thought. Note that at the end of chapter 24, the ascension happens. It's as if the 40 days between Easter Sunday and the ascension day are all collapsed in one. Why? Ponder it. Jesus doesn't want you to wait. Make your commitment now. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.